every time I failed in my life, it's because I've been trying to chase after my own dreams and goals. And when I can help other people get what they want, I'm left with more abundance than I had to begin with. And so uh, that's been such such a, a monumental phrase in my life is that I want to be a chapter in everybody else's books. And it's given me purpose with everything I do. Hello, and welcome to this edition of my podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy it. This is episode number six, and I'm glad that you're giving it a listen. Today, I am super excited and a little bit nervous uh, to be joined by Eric Hatch with Hatch Realty, uh, among other things. Eric, what's going on? Uh, living the dream. I'm up in frigid North Dakota, and so it is literally uh, with the wind chill about 35 below today. Wow. So as a contrast, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, it is right at about 63 degrees today. Yeah, so, yeah well, um, sounds rough. I can enjoy myself on the golf course today where I just don't think you're getting any golf in. <laughs> uh, that is 100% the truth. <laughs> so last month I had the pleasure uh, of hearing you speak at uh, the Be Different conference uh, in San Diego. And I just want to kind of share a little bit. So at the conclusion of that event, uh, we met briefly and uh, I grabbed your book um, and uh, I began reading it on the flight home. It's a short little flight of about 45 minutes. Uh, And it's an awesome book, first of all. So congratulations. It's it's great. Uh, I'm actually reading it a second time as as we sit here. And because this time I'm going through more with um, kind of a highlighter, uh, a pen, a journal next to me. but uh, in addition to that, I also just bought 10 more books to oh, be gifts. Did. Yeah, to dude. be gifts for uh, many of, uh, well, not many, but the lucky 10 uh, of my friends and clients because I just got that much out of the book. But uh, so before we jump into the book, and again, it's called Play for the Person Next to You, I want to talk a little bit about, as we just mentioned, North Dakota. So. Yes, sir. Living here in Vegas, we always get the, how do you live in Las Vegas, right? I mean, do people really live in Las Vegas? Do they all live in the resorts? But how in the world do you live in North Dakota where, as you just said, it's minus 35 today? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I I would usually say you got to be well-dressed to live here. Uh, I don't know how people live in San Diego, frankly. Like, uh, and that's that's where I saw you was uh, down in San Diego. Like, it's 70 and sunny every day. Like, how do you ever travel? It doesn't make sense to me. And so when I get to travel, I always go to a place that's uh, more aesthetically pleasing and usually uh, a little bit warmer. But literally, and I know people are biased, the best people on earth live in Fargo. Uh, it, it's the best place to raise a family, best place to have a business. Uh, it is a entrepreneurial's playground around here, and people cheer for you instead of against you. It's really great. Okay. I actually, uh, prior to being in the real estate business on the title side, I was actually a golf pro. And one of the very first golf professionals I worked for at a club called Elkhorn Country Club, Mike Oberlander, give him a little shout Mm. out. He was from uh, just outside of Fargo, North Dakota. Um, So can you share with me a little bit, uh, not kind of the, the full history of Hatch Realty, but present day kind of Hatch Realty is... What? Yeah, uh, so Hatch Realty started in 2014, and so we've been open now, uh, boy, six full years at this point, uh, almost. And uh, and we function as a, a brokerage that only operates as a team. We don't have any uh, independent, I mean, yes, we have some independent agents, but they all are reliant on the team and their ecosystem and their structure. 
And so what we've built, we think is pretty special. Uh, we've been one of the top 50 real estate teams in the country uh, for the last three years in terms of transactions. So uh, we will close this year about 630 transactions by the time the year is up. Um, in the last five years, remember I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, John, like it's not the biggest place on earth. Uh, the two counties that we serve are in total about 250,000 people. And in five years, we will have closed over 3000 transactions. Wow. See, so that's even more impressive because in my notes, I remember writing down that North Dakota's population is roughly 750,000. And I wrote down that you were going to eclipse uh, 500 deals. So obviously, A, I wasn't listening very well, <laughs> but B, even more so. So in in an area of roughly 250,000 people, two counties, you're going to do well over 600 transactions. Yes, sir. Yeah, that'll be uh, in the last wow. four years, we've been between 592 and 664 every year. So we, oh, and that's, boy, I tell you, we, we can talk about how great those numbers are, but I am as hungry as the day is long to break through this next glass ceiling and to keep finding the ways to, to innovate and create and, and to keep building what we're building. Awesome. Okay. So one more question, then we're really going to dive in. So yeah, again, I, I live in Las Vegas and we here in Las Vegas have a struggling college football team, UNLV. Okay. <laughs> now that is not the case in Fargo, North Dakota. No, um, we are, we are close to hiring a new coach and I'm hoping that soon we'll turn the corner. You know, we got a lot of good things coming for us. We got the Raiders coming to town. We just, so we are playing in a new stadium next year. We have uh, a practice facility. They just finished. It was 36 million to build and so on and so forth. But North Dakota state university, it's the bison, right? Bison. Uh, if you want to sound like you're from around the area, you will pronounce it with a Z, even though it's spelled with an S. Bison. The you bison. can say bison all you want, but we're going to know okay. you're not from here. Yeah. And they essentially are the, because I'm a huge college football fan, they're essentially the, the Alabama, if you will, of FCS, right? Uh, they have, uh, NDSU has out alabama Alabama at this point. Uh, uh, they've won seven of the last eight national championships. As we speak today, they've won 34 straight games. They're once again the number one seed in the uh, college football playoffs. FCS is a subdivision of college football, so there's the the Alabamas and Auburns and Clemsons of the world that are in the top, and then the next level is uh, NDSU. But the last uh, number of games that NDSU has played against uh, FBS opponents, they've won. And so, yeah, you- frankly, they don't schedule NDSU anymore. But uh, next year, uh, the second game of the season, NDSU travels out to Oregon and we'll play, uh, we'll play out there. So we will see how that goes. Yeah, I have in my notes, so 15 national titles. They've only lost eight games. You guys are just coming off a, uh, a win against Nichols State last week, right? You Correct. guys are going to face Illinois State. But one question. So the, the, my reading, my research, the arena or the stadium – it only holds about 20,000 people. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, almost 19,000. And actually, it, so uh, I'm an alum of NDSU. It is, I, I grew up going to the games, started outside now. It's an indoor uh, experience, but I've I've been to thousands, it feels like, of football games uh, in that sense. And so I, I uh, bleed the school colors of green and gold. And uh, it is it is such a special place. It, it is one of the loudest arenas in all of college football. And we historically will always be in one of the top 10 lists for best places to tailgate ever. That's NFL, it's, FBS, FCS. There's uh, roughly 30,000 people that go out and tailgate every Saturday. I kid you not, on the notes that I'm looking at right now, the questions are, explain the atmosphere in that arena. And number two, how in the world do you tailgate in the wintertime? 
yeah, man, you just wear some boots and some gloves. And I mean, we'll put tents up and it'll block out the wind. And then you put some heaters inside. And so it gets to, you know, 40 degrees or so. And, and man, that's bathing suit weather for me. And would there be like one thing that you could kind of put your finger on as to like, how is North Dakota State football so successful for so long? I mean, again, it's a dynasty, but mm-hmm. everybody's chasing it. Heck, UNLV's trying to chase it, but they've built a culture up there. What, like, explain it, can you? So watch this as a transition here. Here it is. Uh, the title of my book, Play for the Person Next to You, is stolen from what I've heard in NDSU culture. It is a, a, a culture where it's derived from making sure that your brother to the left and to the right of you is successful. And for me, that's what I think servant leadership looks like. And I think that's what's ingrained in that NDSU culture. And it's frankly how championships are made is uh, if you're playing for the person next to you, that means that the guy on the bench who eventually will be the starter if somebody gets injured or they earn their spot or graduate, whatever it may be, uh, it's created an entire ecosystem of excellence. And it uh, it is built a farm system where that everybody is playing to better the person next to them. So uh, accountability matters, uh, culture matters. I think no matter what business or sport or you name it that we're in, those are the same parallels of how you create a championship organization is you have accountability. You have uh, people who don't allow excuses to permeate. You create a culture that only tolerates A-level players, and and that means that uh, the A-level players police the B and the C to help them grow up as opposed to waiting for uh, that coach to step in. And instead, if you have that mentality to play for the person next to you, you're responsible to help that person uh, become a better version of themselves. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So again, transitioning now into the book, as I mentioned before, I've read it uh, once entirely, reading it uh, a second time now. That's awesome, and John. I Thank just, you, by the I, way. That's really fun. I can't speak, uh, can't speak high enough about the book, and I encourage everybody uh, to go out and get it, and we'll talk more about how they get their hands on it in a bit. But first, I kind of found it crazy. We have a lot of similarities. Um, so ministry background to an extent, uh, you a little more so than me, but our wives are teachers. Did your wife still teach, by the way? She does. Yeah. For, okay. uh, I, I love those benefits. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you know? um, it, it is speaking to those benefits. Uh, my wife and I also went through the IVF uh, uh, ah, process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a big reason why we were able to do that was uh, benefits through the teacher one time discount and so on and so yeah, forth. We, but, we got uh, 40 grand uh, in, in medical help It ended up costing about a hundred. So it was a lot of out of pocket, but uh, yeah, it, it my, my wife teaches because that's where her people are. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the people aren't her kids. It's her, her coworkers, her team members, the people that she really trusts. And frankly, if I was the first adult that she talked to uh, when I walked in uh, after a long days of work, uh, day of work, she wouldn't be happy and I wouldn't be happy. So <laughs> it's good for both of us. Oh, yeah. And then obviously uh, we, we enjoy some – we enjoy golf. We enjoy baseball and college, college football. But you mentioned in your book – so it says, uh, my purpose in life is to be a chapter in everyone's book. Um, first, um, thanks for being a chapter in mine. Kind of appreciate that. That's, ah, that's a very kind that's of really you. fun to hear. Thanks, John. But elaborate a little bit, if you don't mind, on that. Um, it, I, it just It's one of those things that kind of jumped out at me, and I wanted you to speak a little bit to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was meeting with a, a guy who uh, is a massive influence in our community. He is 
five times a doctor, like as brilliant as it comes and, and not a medical doctor. He has studied all these things and he's, you know, uh, Mark must be in his late fifties at this point, but he has a reverse form of ADD where he can't consume enough knowledge and information. And he and I were talking and I said, you know, some people show up in your life as a couple sentences and other people occupy an entire section. And we were talking about life's purpose and goals and, I at one point said, uh, man, I'd love to have my own uh, autobiography. Like that would be the the quintessential peak that I thought I would make it of being validated by the world is I would want to be an author or have somebody write this autobiography about me. And what I recognized, John, is that uh, that didn't give me validity. And Mark said to me something that I will never forget. And he said, uh, Eric, I know you, I know your hearts, and I think that it would be better if you were a chapter in everybody else's book. And the moment he said that, I was overrun with like this this uh, feeling of clarity and all these goosebumps, like, oh, hell yeah, like we finally stumbled upon what it was that I, I, I – I think that uh, my faith tells me that I'm here to serve for good deeds that are already set aside for me to do. And frankly, I was so – every time I failed in my life, it's because I've been trying to chase after my own dreams and goals. And when I can help other people get what they want, I'm left with more abundance than I had to begin with. And so uh, that's been such such a, a monumental phrase in my life is that I want to be a chapter in everybody else's books, and it's given me purpose with everything I do. Well, when I read it uh... – I don't know if I can explain it exactly the, the way that you just did, but there was there was almost like an aha moment where it hmm. it was put into words in such a way that I totally could understand this idea of of what I wanted to do or how I wanted to be of assistance or be of help to others. Um, and, and I just I had to ask you kind of like where'd that come from? Did you just have this crazy yeah. like what moment? Um, so I appreciate that. Well, it was, uh, it was actually John, almost the title of my book, but my publisher's like, yeah, people won't get that. If you just say, be a chapter in everybody else's books, they won't necessarily understand it without the context. And so we landed on play for the person next to you, but either way, both are long titles for, for books, but come on. The image on the front is pretty awesome of oh, your book. You. So, yeah. so it wouldn't have gone quite as well with, without the play for the person next to you. Like, Dressed yeah. as a football player might not have been. Yeah, I, but, I, I said, make me look like chubby Carson Wentz, and they, they did it, so it was really great. <laughs> so another thing uh, that you have in there, and again, go get the book. I can't sit here and talk about the whole book. Let's, let's, uh, let's get some books sold here But for the 10 people that are listening. But another one that, again, I, I write it down is, so the new me wasn't going to be someone who said because. Uh, I was going to be someone who said even though. Um, that line has really changed the perspective on much of um, of what I focus on. And we won't go into all of the experiences that you had. Go get the book. You can read that. But um, can you talk a little bit about that, kind of when, when you came up with that um, and how it influences you even today? Yeah, I was, uh, I was in jail when I came up with it. And... and- I I wasn't in jail as an inmate. I was in jail as somebody who uh, was a part of a local movement we have. It's called the F5 Project, and they're basically helping uh, felons transition out of jail and into life to help them get work, to help them get housing, all those things. And so it's it's a nonprofit that's doing incredible work in Fargo. And so I was in jail, and I was talking with a room of 50 felons uh, in, in orange jumpsuits. 
And what's nice about when you go into a place like that is uh, the room always changes. You know, every day there's new people in, new people out. And so you're getting a chance to um, sometimes practice material. And they, they weren't my practice space, but it was a space where I felt like, man, I could, I could really get a little more honest and gritty and it would be accepted. Hmm. And so I went in there and uh, I, I was talking to the guy, Adam, who runs it. And I'm like, dude, what do these, what do these men need to hear? And he said, you know what, they, a lot of them are making excuses and they point the, the finger and blame uh, other people and other things. And as I was chatting with the guys before we started like giving a formal presentation, I, I recognized that that was like that common thread is that almost, uh, not almost everyone, but a good majority of people take on a victim mentality that uh, their situations allow them to stay where they're at. And for me, every time that in my life I've been able to persevere, it's been when I've taken on an even though mentality instead of a because mentality. So yeah. if I say something like, because I uh, grew up without a father in my life, it gives me validation to fall short. Or I can say, even though I grew up without a father, the moment you say even though instead of because, you're leading it into a victory and a triumph rather than a failure and a defeat. Yep, absolutely. So again, uh, <laughs> go get the book. I keep saying it, but I love this. This is probably my best quote in the book, and then we'll jump to another topic. Um, so um, you can have a thousand. You could have thousands of gallons of crystal. <laughs> I knew that. I knew this was going to be it. Before you even said it. <laughs> chlorinated pool water, but add one thing that even remotely looks like a turd, and you have shitty water. Yes, and sir. one, I love it because it's coming from from a, a guy with a ministry background. <laughs> um, and and for for saving time sake, I won't ask you to go into your whole process, but in the book, you talk about an amazing process that you go through to hire people, to identify people and, and people that, uh, are true to your culture. They're true to all that you do. Um, and I just, I wanted, I, I wanted to share that because I, I mean, I laughed out loud when I, when I read it. Um, so anyway, we're, we're going to jump on here. No problem. Um, so, in the book, you talk about um, a, a movement you, start, you started called Sell a Home, Save a Child. Uh, most of my listeners are real estate agents in the Las Vegas community and maybe a few in Southern California. Um, and I want to talk, um, one, it talks in the book is how it started, but can you share just briefly how it was started, but more importantly, how people can get involved with um, Sell a Home, Save a Child? John, some of the most miserable people I know are those that have a ton of money and it hasn't given them any life. I hear all the time that the purpose of business is to make money. And I think that that's like saying that the purpose of living is to breathe air. Like the money we make is to fuel our purpose. The air we breathe is to put action in our lungs so we can go and do. But we, the, the purpose of this whole thing is not to make money. It instead is to live out a bigger cause. And I think the thing that is driving inside of us is that we all want to be important and we all want to make a difference. Some people want to do it locally. Some people want to do it in their uh, in, in their own personal lives and other people are called to do it on a global spectrum. But I think we all want to be important and we all want to make a, a difference. And so my buddy Nick Shivers and I uh, about five years ago came up with this concept of sell a home, save a child. And it's simply this is that we uh, we wanted to rally together as two men who love our communities and love God and wanted to have more purpose in our business. And so 
we said, how do we form this? And uh, we, we chunked it together and, and uh, we said, man, I bet there's other realtors who want to have some purpose in their business that in lieu of closing gifts or in, in a space where some of their profit usually goes, they can simply say, I'm going to give back and reinvest to, to help uh, these, these young people around the world have a better chance at life. And so through that now in the last five years or so, we've raised over one and a half million dollars and have just done some big things. Uh, but I think I think we're just getting started, John. I think that the word isn't out there yet that somebody can align their purpose and their profession and find out that that's all one and the same and that you can have your cake and eat it too. And so if you go to sellahomesaveachild.org, you can find out how to get involved. You can give per transaction. You can give as a monthly membership. You can go on mission trips. Next month, we're going to be sending six or seven people on our team down to Nicaragua to serve and to love some of the least of these kids that are kids that have been rescued from garbage dumps and the sex trade industry at the age of like eight and nine. I mean, it's just it, it, it breaks your heart. And as a as a father, as a man of God, and as somebody who has a responsibility in this world, um, we need to do more. And I feel called to do that. Yeah, I've been on the website and uh, I have uh, talked w- talked it over with my wife, and that's going to be something that uh, we are going to begin to support uh, in 2020 um, because it uh, it's just something that w- when I heard about it, again, I'm on the title side of things. It's it's not the agent side, but there's still a, a close it's, transaction. It still plays, if you will. man. It, yeah, and, it plays and, right uh, into it. More importantly, it's it's just an amazing cause. So. Okay, I'm going to have some rapid-fire questions for you, you here you because I, I'm just curious of a few things. In your book, you reference uh, Casting Crowns. Yes. Uh, you reference uh, Need to Breathe. Mm-hmm. And so, question, who's your favorite or couple Christian bands? Second question is, are you an Air One guy? Are you an SOS guy? Or is it more of a satellite? Uh, so, Need to Breathe is hands down my favorite. Uh, okay. 100% hands down my favorite. I give uh, Mercy Me probably my favorite worship band spot. Okay. Um, I am more K-Love. Uh, it's just okay. what we have here. But uh, most of the time, I just have Alexa uh, play some contemporary Christian music and uh, or, or my Amazon Prime. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, how often do you get a chance to golf considering you're under snow so long? Uh, April to September. And then I golf about 27 holes a week between April and September. Okay. So – what are you most proud of in 2019? Uh, 2019 was a year where I improved myself. Uh, I have uh, at this point, I think I'm at 20 businesses that I'm a part of one way or the other. And we're chasing a lot of things and doing a lot of things. But what I've done is I've put myself as the most important uh, person. Um, I've read about 30 books. Uh, I've lost about 40 pounds. Um, I've done more self-care and self-development, which is building a stronger foundation for me to have a really incredible ability to keep serving other people. Is I've always served other people, but it's a balancing act. And if one hand is used to serve other people, this other hand has to be letting people help me. And I've allowed that happen to happen more and more this year. Yeah, I've uh, been following along a little bit on social media, and that uh, like. 75 hard thing or whatever i can't yeah, even begin to do that but but uh you know there's a lot of things i wanted to talk about but in the interest of time i'm not going to do but but this uh, this going away ball that's kind of an interesting <laughs> little deal <laughs> um uh, yeah. secondly the baseball cards that you yeah. have on everybody's desk you know i went through i've done the disc training and uh, just i'm a high i c i c that's yeah. that's kind of what what i am um but then i also went on to 
there was another one on your card. I can't remember what it is, but and we have Myers Briggs. Um, we have the love languages. Yeah, yep. I did that. And my my love language is um, um, uh, action, um, um, acts of service, acts of service. Yep, yeah. that's that's mine. So so you're and, the you're the guy that uh, that will do the dishes even when it's not your turn. Hundred percent. I do yeah. the laundry every Sunday after church. Watching football, of course. It's it's an excuse to be close to the TV, um, <laughs> and and then of course you know everybody goes from bartending to ministry. So that's always so. that's always a good yeah. one. Okay, uh, last question. I have to know in the spirit of Christmas. You mentioned you got kicked out of the mall playing Santa. Yes, sir. I have to know this story. <laughs> uh, it was Black Friday. It would have been two thousand and two. Um, my room, I, uh, graduated college December, 2002. And so it was right before I graduated and my roommate and I, uh, he was a five foot five Mexican guy. I'm six foot two and pretty large. And the movie elf had just come out. And so <laughs> he went as Mexi Claus and I went as his big fat elf. And we went and camped outside Best Buy during Black Friday. We were pretty inebriated. Remember I was 21, 22 years old. Uh-huh. And so not making the best life choices. Uh, but we camped outside of Best Buy. It was probably 10 degrees outside. Uh, but then we went in and people were taking pictures with us and that sort because they actually had cameras and not cell phones back then. Mm-hmm. And then we said, let's go to the mall. And we went to the mall and we're walking through and uh, somebody runs across the mall and grabs us. And he says, what are you doing here? We're like, uh, we're spreading Christmas cheer. He's like, what are you doing here? We're like, uh, we're handing out candy canes to girls and boys. And he says, who do you work for? And we're like, the North Pole. <laughs> and and he brings us and he looks us square in the eye and he goes, you listen and you listen good. There's only room for one Santa in this mall. And we got escorted <laughs> out the back and uh, kicked out the mall. That is an awesome story. Uh-huh. Hey, Eric, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. How can people uh, get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, you know, go to hatchingleaders.com. You can order the book. You can get in contact, uh, see some of the stuff we're doing. We're really active on social media, so I'm Eric with a K, E-R-I-K, Hatch. And then hatchingleaders.com will kind of point you in all those directions. Outstanding. Eric, one final thank you again. Go Bison this weekend. I hope that they uh, get another national championship. And if for no other reason, you got one extra fan watching this weekend. Uh, I love it, dude. Thanks for your time, John. Nice job. Thanks again to Eric Hatch for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the John Sanders Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave me a review and rate me on iTunes, Spotify, and the other podcast platforms. If you'd like to connect with me on uh, Facebook, you can do so. Just search John Sanders. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Sanders PGA and LinkedIn as well. If you're looking to make a real estate purchase anywhere in the United States, I'd love to help you. I am not a real estate agent, but I work with some of the best commercial and residential brokers in the nation, and I'd love to refer you to one of my partners. Thanks again for listening.